We are on uh, the series of Game On, which is basically we're playing life, right? We're, we're going through this thing called life, not the Hasbro game life. But because it's football season and that makes us happy, we're kind of going the football route for Game On. And so there are parts of football that people may not like, like the hitting part on account of the pain thing about it. But as we talked about in the very first week, if we got rid of the hitting, it wouldn't be football. It's not even pushing if you do two-hand touch. It's like, so it's just not football. And the same thing goes with life, that there are parts of life that, honestly, I could do without. And what we see in the scriptures, well, then that wouldn't be life without the hitting. And um, we know that Jesus wants us to have an abundant life. He says he wants us to have life to the full. And that doesn't mean that we don't have the hitting. It doesn't mean that the hitting hurts less. It just means that we have um, the resources and the God who can get us through it. And so what we've been kind of going through, the meat and potatoes of this, this series, has been um, different habits or characteristics of healthy disciples. And the word disciple is, is very particular um, because, you know, in current day culture, we'd use the word Christian to define ourselves um, as followers of Christ. But it's a very broad term. And really, it can mean anything. You can find a Christian who believes, you know, the gamut on all sorts of things that may or may not be of the Bible or of Jesus. So we decided to kind of get rid of the ambiguity and use the word disciple just for this series because we don't want to be the people who, you know, are at work and someone says, so are you a Christian? Say, no, I'm a disciple. Because no one likes that person, okay? So don't do that. Just say, yes. Um, or no, which is fine. But, um, and so, so we're looking at, at, at different qualities that healthy disciples have. And the cool thing about disciple is that we're looking to Jesus for our example. It's a whole what would Jesus do thing, only a lot of years later. Um, and so the first week, uh, we talked about being good worshipers. Disciples are good worshipers. And it doesn't mean that you clap or don't clap or sing loud or sing quietly or stand up. But that we don't have uh, idols in our life. And God really couldn't care less how well we sing if we have idols in our life. And he wants us to deal with those before we come to him in worship. Um, and then we talked about being lovers of the word. That, you know, we, we actually have a document that is God's plan for humanity, his desires that have withstood the test of time. You know, they're thousands of years old, these documents. And we have them at our fingertips. And, you know, I don't, I don't know how we do this disciple thing without actually knowing what is expected of us. So healthy disciples are lovers of the word. And then last week we talked about being like prayers, that, that, that being, having a healthy prayer life is all part of this, of being a disciple. And we saw in Jesus' life that prayer preceded power. That was not on purpose. I don't like when things alliterate like that. But in that particular case, prayer always came before Jesus did something awesome. And it wasn't pray right before, like, oh, shoot, I've got this test. God help me out. It was that he had a habit of praying. That prayer, you know, was this, this, this current that went through his life. And before something big happened, you know, 
the night before. He stayed up all night praying. Staying up all night praying is difficult because it's all night. You know, like, I sleep most of the night. Um, All night would be preferable, but sometimes, you know, you got to wake up and get a bowl of cereal. Um, But anyway, so this week we're going to talk about generosity. And um, it's been a really interesting couple of weeks since I've known that this was a topic that I was teaching on because I've been able to have experiences to be generous where someone was generous to me, where I've been able to see it from a different light. And so I kind of wanted to go through like why we're generous and when we're supposed to be generous and how to be generous. And so preparing for those questions, I asked myself a different question. Like I actually never asked myself those questions, but I asked myself, am I blessed? Like, like has God, has God blessed me? And so I started taking inventory of my life and the easy ones like, yeah, I've got a good job, which I do. I'm super grateful for that. I've got good friends. Uh, My wife's awesome. I've got a super cute dog. Um, I've got a blanket to keep me warm, but a fan to keep me not too warm. And I just was like, I can never complain ever again, right? There's just no reason to complain because I've got dogs, blankets, and fans. But she's always hotter than I am, figuratively and literally, Um, which, anyway, I digress. Um, And I I just started thinking, God has been really, really generous to me. And I'm sure that all of us, we we could kind of take that same inventory. And even if you can't find work, which a lot of people can't, or if you don't have your health, or you have struggles with your family, or whatever, we can find, man, I've got breath in my lungs. I had breakfast this morning. I have a roof over my head. And look at, at how generous God really has been. And then... I started looking at this generosity that God has put on me kind of in the same vein that uh, we're supposed to look at at forgiveness. And Jesus is really, really, really harsh on people who have been forgiven of a lot, i.e. everyone, and aren't forgivers. Like, they don't forgive, like, small things. So I started thinking, is one of the reasons that I'm supposed to be generous is because God has been generous for me? Is that one of the reasons? And, and I kind of came to the conclusion like, yeah. But that's a lame reason. It's, it doesn't really answer the question. Because like when I was in grade school and they're like, don't hit. Like why? Because you're not supposed to? Yeah, hitting took place, right? Because you're not supposed to never work for me. Or because you were supposed to. Like, uh, okay. Um, and I had an opportunity in this vein to kind of see the scripture come to life where, where the scripture tells us you can't just like have a shirt or two shirts and then you see someone without a shirt and say, peace out, bro. You're supposed to give them your shirt or your jacket, right? Like you're supposed to do something. And I had an opportunity this week because one of my coworkers moved out of his apartment into a motel yesterday. And I've been praying for him because I knew it was coming. And I've been praying for him, man, God, would, would, you, would you bless him somehow? And so we're going to pause there and we're going to kind of jump into 
where we're going with this. And we're going to piggyback off of last week's message. And last week we talked about prayer. And we went through the Lord's Prayer. And a specific part in verse 10 of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says this, Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Like, like I love this because what we're saying is, is, God, I am so excited for heaven that I can't wait and I want it here. Like, I'm not just waiting to die and then go to heaven, which is cool, but that I want it so much that I want your will to happen here. And so we see in, in, in that awesome paraphrase of, of that scripture that generosity is the avenue for God's kingdom to come. That's why we are generous, is because it's the avenue for God to do his work. And so with this particular coworker, I've been praying, like, oh, God, man, like, you know his situation it's pretty rough. And yesterday I was working with him and he goes, um, I need to be out by today. And like I knew, I don't, he doesn't drive. He said, can you help me move like the last few boxes? Of course I can. Of course I can. Because I wanted to see God work in his life. And God said, by the way, the way you're going to do that is through generosity. Um, my only disclaimer for the morning is that generosity is super broad, right? We could talk about money, um, other tangible things we have, our time, um, you know, how we treat relationships, right? Like, like basically anything given to us by God, we can use to be generous. And money is either really, really hard for people to be generous with or really easy. Um, so if you're like, man, I already give 99.9% of my money away, well, then maybe look at this from like a, a time perspective or how willing am I to let people into my house or you fill in your own blank. I don't want to do it for you. Or we need to like attack our wallets because money is different than a lot of other potential sins. Um, A.W. Tozer says this, um, the veil of money has never been about how much money you have, but about how much money has you. Like, money can hold us. Money can, can control our lives. It can control the decisions we make. Um, how we view money is really going to be the lens that we see the world. And thankfully, God has like a, a prescription to fix this issue. And it's opposite of what we would think. See, I would think if you don't have very much money, save your money so that when you need your money, use it. And God says something different in Proverbs. He says, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Like, God says, by the way, the way we're going to deal with money having a grip on your life is by giving it away. Like, when we are generous, God breaks those chains, the grip that, that, uh, that God has on our life or that money has on our life. We want the grip of God. Um, and in fact, Scripture talks about we're going to be a slave to one or the other, whether it be sin or whether it be God. And it's like, well, let's, let's pick the God one. And interestingly, money has a lot to do with our salvation and how generous we are. That's not to say that we can buy our salvation, because that is part of the problem of not being saved, not being saved, we'd say, man, I got it. I don't need your help, God, I got it. Which is what 
what giving can become, but that it's a part of the whole process of our salvation. And so theologians in all their wisdom and greatness decided that they could sum up salvation in three different sections, which are cool sections um, because it's such a diverse topic, right? And it's the goal of what we do. It's the goal of what Jesus came to do. And so salvation is central to our faith, Um, but it's in three parts. So the first section would be uh, justification. And justification is the part that, that takes place right at the beginning. When we say, Jesus, I cannot do it on my own. My way doesn't work. Yours is the only way. Jesus goes, awesome. And then views us just as if we had never sinned or that we're free from the penalty of sin is kind of that whole concept of justification. And justification is beautiful, but thank God it's not the whole story. So then it moves into something called sanctification, which is all this stuff about becoming more like Christ and putting off the old self and putting on the new. Um, it's just a fancy word for being holy. or Like, like I used, you know, uh, um, you know, I w- once was blind, but now I see that whole deal. That's sanctification. And it's a process. And then that process leads to glorification, which would be like you're free from the, uh, the presence of sin which would mean that you are no longer present, which would mean you don't have a pulse. So the whole thing goes justified, sanctified, die, which is cool. Like, like we're, we're excited about that part. But the majority of our Christian faith is in the sanctifying time. And again, sanctification is, is that we're free from the power of sin. So part of our salvation is being set free from the power that it has on us. And money has a hold on us. And God says, give it away. Because when you give it away, you're set free from the power of, of sin. We are set free from the love of money when we give. Like, that's the beauty of it. So not only are we supposed to give so that we can see God's power come, that we become the avenue for God's kingdom to come. But God is also doing a work in us when we give, which is super cool. We've heard a lot of people who say stuff like, you know, I I took someone in, let them live with me, and I learned um, more from them than I ever taught them. And it's just awesome how God works that way. He says, okay, you want to do my work? Go do my work, but I'm also going to do a work in you. And that's partly what being generous is all about. And so that's the why, or that's the, what is that one? Yeah, that's the why. But the win is kind of, as confusing. It's, it's equally broad. And I found this awesome verse, we like to call them lottery verses, because I'm going to take it out of context and pull out just this one part. And it goes like this. It's in 2 Corinthians, each one must do just as he has proposed in his heart, dot, 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 meaning this part's not important. I'm getting to the point I'm trying to make. For God loves a cheerful giver. So people will quote that, yeah, God loves a cheerful giver. And we've talked about it before that God loves a stupid giver. Like, God wants us just to give. A, because he's blessed us and he's already given us everything we need, so just give it away. And I've got examples of being stupid givers. Um, A while ago, uh, Casey and I had the opportunity to give a lot of 
or a large portion of our savings. And so, you know, we prayed about it uh, separately and together and all that stuff. And we came back and we said, do you think we should give? We said, yeah, I think God wants us to give. We both had the same number, which felt like confirmation. So we're like, sweet. Shortly after, um, I was driving... It's technically a motorcycle, but it's a scooter. But when you say scooter, they think you mean this kind of scooter. But it's more like scooter, like I need a, like a baguette um, and me kind of deal. And so it doesn't go very fast, which is ironic because you'll see. And so I'm driving down the road, and um, a car or a truck starts pulling up in front of me, looking the opposite direction. So I honk, which went beep, right? And uh, slam on the brakes, and they lock up, even though they're not supposed to. And I go flying over the handlebars, which doesn't usually end well. And so I don't remember a ton, but I do remember it was really important to me to get the bike out of the middle of the intersection. The truck goes, are you okay? And I go, I think so. And then he took off, because it was bad news for that guy, right? So, So then, you know, I call the ambulance because that's what you do and call the police because he ran away and they decided no we'll just hang out here i'm a little bitter um and so they start asking me questions and they're like well you need to get stitched up you know on account of the blood on the face and um i'm like okay and they almost let me not go to the to the er right or the the trauma center because i was answering questions i was being charming like i am And at the last minute, like an idiot, I said, I'm seeing spots. I like, I think that's bad. They said, yeah, we should probably take you in. So I'm like, sweet. So I get, you know, put on the gurney. They put me in the thing. There's like a bunch of people around me who all have a good salary. And I'm like, hmm, how does this get paid? Right? So by the way, it's very expensive to drive two miles in an ambulance. Yeah. And they charge gas on top of it. So... And drive there, right? They pull me out. They're talking because it's just Saturday night to them. And uh, they put me on this thing. Like, some nurses come and cut my clothes off, which is like, seriously? Like, I could just ask nicely. Um, <laughs> and then they're stitching me up. And then the police officer who didn't go chase down the guy who almost killed me gave me a ticket for speeding. And so I'm like, literally, this is insult to injury, right? Like, I'm just not happy. I fought it and won. So a little bit less bitter. <laughs> um, and, then, and then so then they, you know, stitch me up and all that stuff. And I'm like, okay, you're a specialist. And then they put me in this room with this big machine. And I'm like, that looks expensive. <laughs> so then they put me in it and does this thing. They put me in too far. So it took like a scan on my shoulder, which is funny because that's the only thing that like is messed up from it. And they didn't help me with that. So we had to do another one of my head because, you know, the spots. And then they pushed me into some other room and stuff. And so Casey and I were like, we have to get out of here before midnight. Because midnight's another day. So, so we get out. I almost went to work the next day. And my boss is like, dude, you don't have to. So praise God, I was totally okay. But then the day that we're about to write our check, the one that we knew that we were supposed to write, we get our bill for $7,000. And so we're like, we don't have $7,000. But did God know that I was going to get in this accident? I'm like, yeah, I think so. I mean, a heads up would have been nice, but thanks. Um, did he give us a number? I'm like, yeah. Are we still supposed to do this? Yep. God loves a stupid giver. But the reason we are able to be stupid givers comes from another nugget in Scripture that says that we're supposed to be wise stewards. 
And so, why, we're, we're stupid givers because we're wise stewards. And wise stewardship goes something like this. Um, when Casey and I first got married, well, before that, we had been in ministry. Like, ever since we were dating and then not dating and then dating and then not dating. Ministry the whole time. And then, so, apparently, we don't know how to do relationships. So, when we get married, we're like, I don't know how to do this. Right? And so, someone said, you might want to take a break from ministry and, like, invest in, like, your marriage. We're like, sounds like a good idea. So we went to uh, the Callahan small group uh, for young married couples, and it was literally the best investment we've ever put in our marriage. We had the opportunity to go back to ministry. We had the opportunity to take up our Wednesday nights again, but we decided, no, we need to invest in this so that we can be stupid givers. Because we are wise stewards, so that we can be stupid givers. So the win is a trick question because there is no win. We want there to be a win. We want, to, we want there to be, just like Old Testament, you give this much, the rest is up to you. And I think it's funny that we argue about like, whether or not we should tithe or not when God's like, that's the minimum. When Jesus came, he's like, no, you give until the need is met. We're like, Ugh, wh- why? He's, well, because we say all this, this all the time. It's not a relationship. It's not a um, Religion is a relationship, which sounds awesome until every time we have an opportunity to give or not give, whether it be our money or our time or our resources, we say, God, what would you have me do? This whole act of being, um, being a disciple, that we press into Jesus, that we say, what would you have me do? It's where we tap into our prayer life. It's where we tap into the word. It's where we talk, tap into worship. Say, God, what would you have me do? Am I supposed to be a stupid giver right now? Or am I supposed to be a wise steward? So that I can be a stupid giver later. Sometimes it'd be nicer if God just said, yeah, it's just your 10%. And it'd be like, sweet, I'm off the hook. But it's not. It's much deeper. It's much more exciting than just 10%. So we know that the why is because we get to be the avenue for God's kingdom to come. And we sort of know the when, whenever God tells us to. But the how is my favorite. Because the how actually comes from Jesus. And um, I don't particularly like it when I don't know how to do something. People are like, it's super cool to have like a million dollars. I'm like, how? Well, and then they say some words that I don't understand. Um, like Ira or something. Um, and so, so Jesus has this awesome antidote for how to be generous. And it comes from uh, Matthew as well. It says, Do not store up for yourself treasure on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. And then the money verse is, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, Jesus says something awesome there. He says, your heart follows your money. So how am I supposed to be generous? Just do it. Just be like Nike, right? You just give. It's like, man, I, wanna, I, I want to want to be part of God's kingdom. I want to want to see him move in the lives of the people around me. And Jesus says, just do it, because your heart will follow. It would be nice if it was the other way around, 
sort of like wherever I wanted to give would be cool because then you'd be like, you see those puppy commercials where it's like, these puppies need a home. And then it's got like one ear down and you're like, they do need a home, right? But because then we should just give to things that we love. But God is saying, look, if you give to a particular kingdom, whether it be the earth's kingdom down here or to God's kingdom, our heart will be in one of those places. Our heart follows our money. And that's scary too because I want to do something I want to do. I don't want to be tricked into wanting to do it. And Jesus says, "Mm -mm, that's not how this works. You give because it's a commandment and you'll be blessed because of it. You'll be free from the love of money. You get to see my kingdom come. You get to be part of what I'm doing. So just do it. You'll learn to love it. And so as the worship duo comes on back up, we're going to jump back to that Second Corinthians verse, the one that I just plucked out of context, and I'm going to kind of read the section that it comes from. Because I'm a big believer that the Bible is true. I believe it's historically true. I believe it withstands um, all philosophical and all scientific like attack. I believe it's awesome. But I don't really think it matters if we're not seeing it impact our life. Who cares if I know a bunch of Bible stuff if I'm not experiencing it? And so, this is the church that I want us to be, that understands this next scripture, and that falls in love with the premise and the reward that God has. And it goes like this. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he has proposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful, stupid giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. As it is written, he scattered abroad, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed for the sower and bread for for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of the service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. Because of the proof given by the ministry, they will be glorified. uh, They will glorify God for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ and for the liberality of your contributions Uh, to them and to all. One more. While they also, by prayer on your behalf, yearn for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his incredible gift. Like, I want to experience God's righteousness. I want to experience God's bounty in my life. I want to experience his grace. I want to experience God. I want to experience him impact the world around me. And he says, it comes from your money. It comes from being generous. 